podcast. We are back for another express post from the Women's World Cup. And we are quite literally drinking champagne in quotation marks, friends. It's passion pop. Um, we are very impromptuously in the same room all together to talk about the Tilly's quarterfinal win over France. Australia is through to the semi-final of a World Cup for the first time ever. They are the first host nation to make it beyond the quarterfinals for the first time since the US in 2003. Everything rules and we absolutely cannot wait to talk about this game, this day. It's going to be ridiculously fun. So we absolutely cannot wait to crack in. Before we begin, though, we want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands we're recording on today, the Gadigal people, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. For today, sitting literally next to me, Marissa Lordanik, is Angela Christian Wilkes, Anna Harrington, and Sam Lewis. So friends, uh, should we cheers, I suppose? You've poured all this champagne to yes, us to a, yep. a chin-chin. To the vibes. To the to vibes. vibes. Yes. fucking immaculate they once again. It's never been more immaculate. Off the passion pop. Oh my god. Um, 2019 so, vintage. <laughs> <laughs> um, so vibe check, friends. Um, how are we feeling? How are you doing? Incredible, oh but god. exhausted. Yeah. Like, god. That was it was literally the longest um penalty Ooh. shootout in yeah. women's world cup history. It was 20 penalties, I think if you include Kenza Dali having to take hers twice, or getting to take hers twice, and Mackenzie Arnold denying her twice. Extraordinary. Yeah. It is not just the biggest night ever in Australian women's football history. It is the biggest night in Australian football history. It is one of the biggest nights ever in Australian sport. It's yeah. extraordinary. It's yeah. wonderful. It captivated a nation. It saw people pile out of MCG seats to go and watch in the concourse. It saw a flight uh, taken over by everyone watching that penalty shootout, except some guy who was enjoying Lord of the Rings. <laughs> you know what? The New Zealand side of the draw is for some people. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. It, it took over um, live sites around the country. It took over everyone's living rooms. It took over, I think, all of our mentions, all of our phone notifications. I'm yeah. sure everyone was in the same position hearing, getting texts from people that even you maybe haven't spoken to in years. It yeah. was just that big. Yeah. And it was just so wonderful. Yeah. And it's all down to these players because... That was, and like, first of all, credit to France, because this was, if, if a game was ever a game of inches, Sam, yeah. this was a game of inches. Oh my God. Such yeah. fine margins. Like, this could have gone anyway Holy at any crap. moment. Yeah. But the steeliness and the grit and the resilience mm. and the heavy legs that somehow just kept on churning and puts um, seven penalties in the back of the net to France with six at the end yeah. of the day. Man, it was an emotional roller coaster. Everyone was hugging on full time. Sam picked me up and spun me around. <laughs> it was wonderful. I might still be floating. <laughs> this was the night of nights for Australian football. And hopefully it's only the night of nights for about three days and it gets mm. surpassed yet again. Mm. But while we've got this moment here, we're not the players. We don't have to move on straight away. No, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. We can soak it in. I'm, I'm never going to move on from this moment. I think also I've probably I'm still like, in Brisbane. I'm still, I'm still in Brisbane. My heart is in Brisbane. Um, I think like a lot of people, I have been like on the verge of tears all day. Um, not just sort of like reflecting back on my personal memories of the game, but also watching so many other people's memories. 
sort of colliding in this one big public moment that we've all just shared. Like scrolling, I spent my whole morning scrolling my timeline, watching all those incredible videos, not just from the MCG, but from the, the fan, like the from the Sydney Olympic Park, where outside the other stadium where the game was about to be played, this sea of people outside watching it on the big screens, people in pubs, people at home, people watching on their phones in the street. Like this is football culture. This is the stuff that football nations do, you know? And I'm I like, I'm just so, I'm, I'm, I, it's indescribable this kind of moment, I think, because it is literally unprecedented. We've never had a moment like this before in the history of Australian football. And like, for me, I think the, the, the absolute height of these emotions is because the game happened the way that it did. If we'd like got it done in 90 and it was just like a really clinical performance that we beat them 2-0 like we did Denmark and it was all like light and fluffy and whatever, it was fine. It wouldn't feel like this. And the game itself, like for me and in the post-match press, I sort of like started to tear up as I was trying to gather my thoughts to ask this question to Tony. It's like this game felt like it was the accumulation of everything that this team's gone through. Yeah. It feels like the whole last three years, all the fucking ups and downs, all the doubts, all the, the people who lost faith, all the challenges, everything that was happening behind the scenes, it, 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 was, it was threaded through this whole game. The resilience that you talked about, Harrow, the, the players themselves individually, everything that they've gone through, all of that just like crashed together in this one incredible night. And it's, yeah, it's, it's going to, it's, it's the kind of thing that completely changes the course of the sport and what a privilege that we're all able to be there for it. It's like a saga, right? Like, I forget all about watching Lord of the Rings. This has so many twists and turns. <laughs> like in the first fucking like 15 minutes yeah. um, when you have um, the craft put it, like when oh. you're watching it back up, she put it over the bar from like here. Yeah. Like, yeah. Harder, to, harder, to, yeah, harder to miss than score. Like, moments Amazing. like that actually end up getting lost. Steph yeah. Catley's goal line clearance is like yeah. probably barely the right to mention. Some of the saves Mackenzie Arnold made in regular time. Yeah. The block um, from Almeida to yeah, stop Mary, Mary Fowler. Fowler. Was oh my world God. class because the goal would have been a world class goal and she stopped it. Like, there were so many twists and turns. Yeah. And I'm so glad I didn't have to do the alternate history where you have to look back at those moments with regret. But, like, let's be honest, we're going to kick off anyway. It's, it's the penalty shootout, right? Like, because... Um, it's a whole game within itself, I, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, well, I think Sam Kerr said, you know, she hates pens. She'd always rather a golden goal or something because pens are just the coolest thing. Yeah, yeah. But they also can be, like, the best thing. They are the best and worst thing mm. in the world because so much of it, and especially, well, we'll talk about Mackenzie Allen, so much of it comes down to just nerves and grit and skill and it's so difficult now for goalkeepers mm. and both goalkeepers were sensational actually like yeah they were um uh, you know they did the classic gray wiggle switch i know i know don't try and don't come into our house and try to gray wiggle yeah, us thank yeah. you very much france we, exactly. we were your first that's that's ours but yeah if you look at this guy the penalty shootout is everything as i said before it's the longest there's ever been and, um i know there were some penalties when you watch back and you go there wasn't a great panel that one wasn't like some of the ones that went in but sometimes at the end of the day it's you don't have to get the perfect penalty you just have to have one that's good enough yeah right? yeah and you look at uh um Betcher who scored the sorry who had the final miss who mm. clearly and speaks to Mackenzie on how she'd psyched out this French team was like I have to put this in the bottom corner it's gonna yeah. go in the bottom corner like no one ever has before because the totally. save to deny as better say was extraordinary. So I, good. I, it's the second save, so it gets lost because you have the Kenza Darling moment. But, yeah, the way Mackenzie Arnold carried herself in that shootout mm. is like, 
they've they're just it's, it's it's unique because you have Courtney Vinage, the winner, who had the nerves of steel and took the final moment. But really, this shootout is all about Mackenzie. It's all about Matt because fully. Yep. like she makes the first save, and then we see obviously um, the miss from Steph Catley in the second one. Mm. But she makes that first save. She does it again with Teresa, and then she steps up. You think, well, if your goalkeeper is going to take the fifth penalty and you talk to anyone in the tilters, I go, Mackenzie Arnold, she buries penalty, she's the best, that's why she's number five. And she said as much to us in the mix zone yeah, yeah. she just went, I just sliced it. Yeah. And it hits the it hits the post. It doesn't miss by a lot. Mm. The mental grit and character then for Mackenzie Arnold to then just up. walk a couple of steps onto the goal line and turn around. Yeah, and yeah. just get started again. Yeah. The other thing I noticed with her um she really made that that penalty shootout her own in terms of her presence. I think she wasn't able to do it for Claire Hunt and Courtney Vine the last couple, but she did the classic move, always making sure she was the one to hand the ball over to her teammate, mm. always making sure it was that reassuring word. And yeah. She did talk about how her teammates picked her up after she had the miss. Mm. But the the strength and the smarts and the, she put it down to gut instinct. And she told us post-match then that yeah. she wasn't feeling well. Yeah. Um, I saw over and I described her as, by, this is by translating as a, a Goliath in goal. It's a wow. Because she made some huge saves in regular yeah, time. Yeah, she did. One from Betro in like 107th minute. Yes. Fantastic. Um, but to pick yourself up and then with the Kenza Dali moment where everyone has seen it, but let's recap it. She makes a terrific save to stop the penalty. Goes to there, uh, you've encroached. I feel like it's a bit of a roulette, like a bit of a lottery. Like yeah. sometimes you get pings, sometimes you don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're yeah, very yeah. similar approaches I've had for a lot of pens. Yeah. She told us she'd been mixing it up between a new and old routine based on these rules and it worked. But for Kenza Daly gets another chance at it and Arnold has to go, is she going to stick or twist? Is she going to do the same thing? Is she going to try something different? And she backed herself that Daly would try the same thing again, makes the save. And even though I know Claire Hunt didn't make this, the next penalty after that, it ultimately came down to Courtney Vine. It, it felt like the shootout was in Australia's hands then. And as I said before, Betcher was, was psyched out. Miss the pen, she's 19, she'll learn from that. And then Courtney one steps up and bury it. But just every teammate was talking about Mackenzie. We've talked about her rise. We've talked about how quick it's, it's all happened in six months that she's become this number one goalkeeper. She's um, stepped up. She's taken her club football into international level. She's cut out most of those howlers that we used to see. We very rarely see a slip up. She seems so assured. She's so confident. She handles herself well in the media. She does everything really well at the moment. And that was just a goalkeeper who's having the time of her life, who knew she could do this. We all watched the Asian Cup shootout. Yeah. She knew she could perform. Mm -hmm. And in doing that, Courtney Vine said as much, Macro made the big saves. There's pressure on her, but at the end of the day, there wasn't because Macro had done the hardest part, which is stepping up as a goalkeeper. It's, yeah, I love the so Goliath. It's a performance for the ages. Totally. And she deserves every bit of credit mm. she's getting right now. 100%. That's it. It was huge and almost massive. Mm. What was your vibe, Angel? Oh, um, <laughs> we have a bootleg podcast that may or may not make an appearance one day <laughs> on our socials, um, recorded by friend of the pod, Paul Wisdom. Anyway, and he asked me how I felt, and I was like, that was the best day and the worst day of my life. Like, it was just, oh, so, so emotional, the whole, for so many reasons. Um, but, yeah, once that final pen went in, I was sobbing. Yeah. I was, there was like gremlin mode and then there was like, <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> I'm just, I need to cry. Like, I don't know. It just, there's obviously 
this is such a historical moment, but it feels historical in the sense that there's, it's it's going to be remembered for such a long time for such important reasons. But I think um, for a lot of people, there is that history of what this team has meant for them and what they've contributed to um, the, the football landscape and the women's football landscape in Australia. And so it just, I don't know, it felt like there was like a the Doctor Who time vortex thing inside of me of like all those things coming together in this moment and being like, holy shit, like this, this is so cool. This is like, and, uh, there's certain, I I don't want to, I don't want to get petty with it, but it was interesting. There was someone on Twitter who was like, don't say we, when we talk about this moment, because you're not one of the athletes. Very, very strange point to nitpick, but it did get me thinking. I was like, no, it is we, because like, there are so many people involved in making this moment happen from like getting this tournament to Australia in the first place, but also getting this team to where they are. Mm. And it's not just the coaching staff and it's not just the players. There's so much that goes into a moment like this. And I think, yeah, I've also been thinking a lot about like gatekeepers and that's kind of been an interesting thing in women's sport and how we want to, you know, protect these cultures that we've built out of necessity um, in a lot of cases because women's sport and women's football hasn't been given the same, I guess, time and energy and resourcing as, you know, its men's counterparts. But at the same – and so there is that protective aspect to it. But I don't know. I just feel like that it's a myth. Like you – there was no gatekeeping Mm -hmm. in this moment. Like people everywhere were shifting things. Like Marissa was talking pre-pod about the um, like air hosts in the, in the sky, like (laughs) not just the people watching the, the, the game on an international flight, bar that one dude watching Lord of the Rings, (laughs) which will never not be funny. And I also just Googled and I was like, the game may have, been the length of a Lord of the Rings film. I think it was just <laughs> yeah. slightly smaller. Yeah, that's costume. true. Penalties alone went for that's 20 minutes. so true. Or yeah. 21 minutes or something. Um, the broadcast definitely would have been much longer than a Lord of the Rings film. But um, but also, like, the, the host, air host who mentioned what was happening to the, the people in the sky. And I know people who've been going on travelling around the country have been, like, kind of acknowledged. But also, like... I was just so chuffed when I got an email from Football Victoria where they're like, we're changing all the kickoff times for Men's State League on Saturday because we want everyone to be able to watch this game. It wasn't even like a consultation process or anything like that. Yeah. And for me, I don't know, like there's I've got hang-ups about women's football not being on the radar. And obviously this is such a huge event. But for that to just be unprompted, yeah, we're going to do it and this is what's happening. And just, yeah, like... I don't know. It's happening everywhere. It's like yeah. we've raised the gates, like they're gone. Um, and it's obviously it, there's been interesting conversations around uh, like not like a friend of mine sat down next to someone who was critiquing the game the whole time, but, you know, in a, in a kind of like armchair misogynist kind of way. But it's also like, yeah, we'll get those types, but the vast majority are a part of this because they've fallen in love with this team and they've fallen in love with this story, both yeah. the story of this game, but also the story of like 
yeah, the Matildas. And I just feel like it's been building in momentum for, for this moment as well. The, the hype around the documentary and how many people have become more engaged with the Matildas through stuff like that. And the media coverage that the Football Australia have done around the team, the media coverage that people like us do is just like, ah, yeah, I don't know. Um, it's surreal. And just, yeah, just find weird moments making us cry is an interesting yeah, one like yeah. the, the for me it was the afl coaches watching the game on oh, the phone yeah, and yeah, together yeah. with uh, chris fagan and matthew nix were yeah, watching they're two waiting rival for their coaches waiting for yeah. their presses to start and this is their post-match presses right yeah. i think i like what you're talking about with the gate and everything i think it ties into your question to tony at the end sam i think two things i don't think you can gate gatekeep this because this team is so much better and the momentum is so much better when it's flung open to the people and yeah. everyone gets a chance to embrace it and not everyone has always been in a position to embrace it. If you grow up in certain rural areas or if you grow up in places where maybe playing football or, you know, playing more less. These are some air quotes if you're listening. Masculine sports wasn't an option mm. or if you're discouraged from it or if you just never had the opportunity to go to games because you haven't seen it. Like, it's, it's just opened it up for everyone. But the other thing is I don't think we're going to lose sight of who took us to this point because this team won't let us lose sight of who took it to this point because yep. – um, Emily Van Egmond talked about, you know, the people before, the players before who have set, you know, led the way. They didn't have the same resources, but they set the standard. They set the platform. And now they also, and Claire Pokemon's touched on it before as well, want to leave the jersey in a better place, the game in a better place. Yeah. But when Tony, when you asked about that, Sam, it was not, he had the opportunity there to take a victory lap, to talk about personal vindication, to talk about, yeah, we've been deaf. There's been so many, I, I wrote about this today, actually. There's been so many forks along the road where things could have gone negatively. He'd been criticised. And, you know, he, you know, at times deservedly, like you make bad yeah. decisions, you have bad losses. Asian Cup is a great example. He could have easily taken a massive victory lap mm, today mm. because this is the most success anyone's ever had at a World Cup men's or women's in Australia. But he didn't. He instead uh, talked about how this was about more than that and that was why he got emotional. But mm. talked about something like, what, 224? It's so like the 224 alumni that are there. It's... The people that have put in the work along the way it's about the fans the old and the new it's everyone that has chipped in a part of themselves yeah. to make this team bigger than what it is and that started with humble roots but they're not going to forget this mm. and the thing with this group of players as well is they sort of straddle that divide between the full-blown or almost full-blown professionalism that say an ellie carpenter is used to now or what a Claire Polkinghorne or Lydia Williams yeah. or even Steph Catley, like yeah, Emily yeah, Van Emmon. Yeah. These players yeah. aren't that old. No, the yeah. players that are sort of 25 and up have experienced yep. shit conditions or being underestimated or being ignored or relying on, say, a football Victoria to run the team because clubs didn't want to run it. That's not that far or long ago in recent history. Like, yep. I mean, Steph Catley played with Ash Brown, who was the next big thing and had three knee recos and, and her career ended before it even really started. Like, these players have experienced all these things. So I think there won't be a sense of that essence of football being lost because these players won't let it happen. They're so grateful for... They're grateful for what others have done before them, but they've also strived to make it better as well. And we can look back to the strike of 2015. We can look back to all the things they fought for along the way. But they want to make it better and they want people to come along for the ride and we're all better off we do. Yeah, people are going to have different levels of understanding what that is. But one thing I really loved personally is everyone I've found that is not a huge follower of football necessarily, not even men's football, it might be AFL, it might be NRL, whatever, they all love Caitlin Ford. 
It's not Sam Kerr's. I think because you look at Caitlin Ford, and everyone knows about Sam, obviously, but the way she's played this tournament, the yeah. way she plays is so, like, you could put her in any sport and she would star. She just has the way she can shimmy, her strength, her smarts. People watch, and they might watch it for the first time. And like my, my brother-in-law loves her. I've got colleagues that love her. I've got, like, friends that watch and they go, Caitlin Ford. God, she's awesome. Yeah, yeah, like, she's yeah, fantastic. Yeah. And I love that that's happened. Um, and I think we're all better off for everyone doing this. And, yeah, we we can easily bring the mood down and be like, oh, the AFL this and the AFL that. People, you know, people put their money where their mouth is. And you mm. saw scenes of people watching on the big screen, booing when it got switched off. And they had every right to switch off. Like, that game was starting. Mm. And they went into they went into the concourse. The game wasn't starting. It was. It was they, still 40 minutes I agree. until the first bounce. But... Oh, but, like, who cares what... What the AFL were doing in that moment, like they, exactly, they were never exactly. gonna, they, they were, were never, never the the most, they were never the main event. Yeah, yeah. And you know, if this is the first time the really footy, that we can ever say that. Yeah, if people wanted to be at the footy and then go into the concourse. So that right, they could also have gone to the pub. They could have gone to Rod Laver Arena. Like whatever, doesn't yeah. matter. Like the story isn't them. Yes. People said, "I've got these pre-existing plans, but I want to go and watch the game. Yeah. Um, I want to watch the Matildas finish and what they're doing." And I think. I felt like we were almost destined to go to penalties once we had that toing and froing. It was clearly like, mm-hmm. we are the big dogs in Melbourne, in FIFA. We are the big dogs. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. being like, what if it goes to extra time? What if it goes to penalties? I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> this is destined to happen now. But just the way that so many people from different walks of life have taken on this team and embraced it and loved yeah, it and yeah. are behind it. And the crowds that we're getting, the crowd in Brisbane, I thought, Initially, I said there was really there was loud, and then it went quiet for a bit, and then it just lost its mind and went next yeah, level. Went when Sam yeah. started warming up at halftime, in particular, the crowd went next level. At the end of halftime, then when she came on, like the job yeah. was about to explode. It's one of the loudest atmospheres I've been in. It, it was, actually is one of the loudest atmospheres that Suncorp has ever experienced. There was yes. a tweet that went around saying that they broke the decibel level the, of the. the part, is that the Pardaloo? Yes. Yeah. Of the of the, the <laughs> no, recent most loudest. Apparently, was an event. Um, State of Origin game. I think that sounds right, but it did go full Queensland, right? Yeah. I, I yeah. love that. I like that the players, I've talked about this before, have revved up the crowd before yeah. And Ellie Carpenter is someone who can do that so well. Yeah. Um, and they the got into it. little girls. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But, it's um, like Monsters Inc. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard about that, but yeah. But it's like also they had that real, I was saying to people in the stands, I think it was a friend of the pod, Emma Campbell, I was sitting next to her, and I was like, Melbourne, oh, not Melbourne, sorry, this happened in Melbourne, it happened in Sydney and Brisbane as well. It's very like AFL and NRL and that someone who does like a shit kick to hear that, hey, like yeah, Bronx too. Yeah, it's totally. very like Australians love doing that more yeah. than anyone. And you can tell it winds up keepers. Yeah. Um, you can see the French players getting wound up. And the intensity in that penalty shootout, I think Arnold oh, said God. she blocked out the noise when she was preparing for a penalty, but as soon as she saved him, she like, let it she rush let it back in. into her ears again. Yeah. But if you were the French players, you'd be like, it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> and I would wonder, like, I'm, I'm kind of um, bummed that we weren't able to talk to the France players because I would have loved to get their experience as to how it felt to be in a... Because, like... Would you I, like some salt in this wound? Well, no, no, like, <laughs> no, 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 but, but actually in a, like, sure, described this kind of way. Like, does it, actually, does it feel that, physical? Right? You know, does sound feel physical when you're in a mm. moment like that? Do you feel the wall of noise coming off these players? Or they're not the players, the, the people behind mm. the players. And how does it actually affect you? Because you're looking at a goal and a goalkeeper who's just had an absolute ripping game, who's already probably saved one or two penalties, and then you've just got this sea of people behind them. Like one of the things I really loved about Herb Renard's pre-match press conference was that he said that 
Our players aren't just playing against 11, they're playing against the whole nation. And in that shootout, that is exactly what happened. It wasn't just Mackenzie Arnold, it wasn't just the players, it was everyone who was watching. All the noise was coming in, pouring into that moment and making that hard for them. And it was like, that was what was so, um, I think, like emotional for me as well, is that like so much of that noise was being made by people who haven't made noise at a Matildas game before. Mm. Like so many people, not just in the stadium, but like around the country, all these videos that we're seeing, like so many of those people have maybe never watched a game. They've never watched women's football. They've never, they've never experienced the fever of this kind of moment. They've never allowed themselves to lose their minds in a crowd like that. And that's what was so thrilling about it. And that's what was so, I think, formative for us as like, as a football community and as a football country is like finally people outside our bubble know how this feels. Mm. And that's exactly what you need to pull people in because the big, I think the big issue that Australian football has been suffering over the last few years is that people have just lost the feeling. Mm. They've lost the care. They've lost the passion. They've lost the stuff that we all talk about all the time that we love because we know it and we feel it all with everything. But so many people have sort of drifted off and so many people come from other parts of the world where they've never really felt how this feels. And this was a game that allowed that opportunity for everyone to feel it together. And that's why I'm like, it's it's so, like you talked about history before, Angela. Like I, I when I was in this shootout and, and the sort of the moments after we'd won, I was sort of projecting into the next five years and I was like, this is the kind of moment that people look back on and be like, this is where it started for me. Mm-hmm. And I think back to my first football memory, my first big moment was watching Mark Schwarzer save mm-hmm. a penalty for the Socceroos in 2005. That was my moment. That was the, the same stadium. It was the same part. Like, but I didn't know shit about football. I didn't know anything. I didn't know what this meant. But I just knew that something had shifted mm-hmm. in the country and that that was the thing that spun me off into becoming someone who loved football. So to know that we were there in that moment and that that has happened to a whole generation of people and that it was women who did it mm. just, like, blows my mind. Mark Schwarzer said on Optus last night, this is bigger. Yeah, and it is. John Aloisi said, I'm happy to be relegated second yep. for best penalty ever or most important penalty ever behind Courtney Vine. Yeah. Like, these people are better qualified to speak about it than anyone. I don't want to turn it into a comparison, but this is the biggest night ever and it's I think it's – engaged a whole nother side of the population people who maybe football as you say wasn't for them it wasn't their thing or they didn't feel like men's football was yes they've picked up on the materials and they love the vibe they love the crowd yeah because it's it's got that incredible balance between parochial and friendly it's not yeah there's a little bit of feral but it's not but it's not going to spill over into aggression or drunken like yeah yeah uh, acts of microaggression more than micro, micro right? yeah, yeah. Like, people enjoy going, they enjoy taking the kids. And let's just, someone's brought us off, a couple of people tweet this as well. Women's sport doesn't have to be at a family-friendly time of two in the yeah, afternoon that's right. in the boiling sun. Yeah. Women's sport can be prime time and yeah. it will fucking thrive. Yeah. And I hope that the A-Leagues take that on board. I hope the broadcasters take that on board. Um, you don't have to put it in a time that is theoretically friendly for people to go to in the afternoon. Which usually isn't. You can make it a main event and yep. you can have it at night. And yep. You can beat everything else. Yeah. It's got yep. so much potential. It's actually tapping into that and unlocking it, not letting the moment pass by. And 
I don't think we will, but it is incumbent on a lot of people to really capitalise on this. And I'm sure we'll talk about this more when the tournament's over. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, it just feel, feels like a statement moment. Those, those broadcast figures are insane. So incredible. Um, yeah. I can't wait to see the Melbourne water stats. <laughs> <laughs> so many breaks for them to analyse. Yeah, 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 yeah. like, and between the VAR. I was, yeah, speaking of, like that, just what you said then, Harrow. Flash chat. Flash chat. Flash chat. Flash chat. Flash chat. Both. You know what? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I had the privilege of speaking to Kate Gill for the piece that I did pre tournament about um, the Tillies and the rise of women's sport. Um, for GQ, and she spoke. She was talking about the agreement with between the Socceroos and the Matildas um, for equal pay and equal resourcing. And she talked about how a lot of that was talking about how the Socceroos have this rich and beautiful history of football in Australia, but the Matildas are the future. And it was about mm. everyone buying into that. And I feel like this tournament is really pointing to that reality. Um, but also, selfishly, a big part of me, so I'm doing a PhD at the moment, and I'm looking at the experiences of women who make media about women's football, and I'm like, oh, my God, this has thrown a fucking cannonball through my head. <laughs> I'm like, I can't not. You can't not talk about it because this is, yeah. Yeah. Your, your thesis is changing as it's going. Changing yeah. as it's It's copping all the twists and turns. But that in itself is really interesting, final. right? Like the role that major events like this play. Yeah. In, yeah. in the, the larger ripple effects on the, the media landscape. But it's interesting. You're not outliers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I haven't finished my data generation yet, so it's going to be really interesting to see what people have kind of said about the tournament and how they viewed the World Cup beforehand. And um, I'm using affect theory, which is like looking at emotion and feeling and like that will be a big part of it and how that shifts talking to the future of women's football and women's football media afterwards as well. Um, I don't know, I've, I've got anxiety, so, like, a part of me is, like, I really hope, yeah, like, that this is capitalised on far and beyond this, like, one moment in time, but you can only just, we can only wait and see, you know? Yeah. And I feel, when you were, Sam, you were talking about, like, um, people tapping into the game or kind of falling out of love with the game, and it, I don't know, I, for a lot of us, I feel like the... There is, that's why we're still here because we love the game um, and there's been moments of, of heartbreak, not just about on the pitch results, but around all the structures that, around that and um, like football trying to kind of push through and not being able to do that in Australia. And so a lot of the time that love, it kind of feels like, you know, a very like a dog that's like loyal to a very shitty <laughs> I mean um and so it the the love is there but it's I don't know and the loyalty is there but you're kind of like why like why am I doing this but yeah um this hopefully this moment can kind of yeah change that and we're more like Vincho Harris dog who's just got so much love to give <laughs> everyone, every ball every yeah. ball every, every person every pom-pom on a beanie that you could possibly sorry Vincho to out you as a Pom -pom as a problematic laboratory <laughs> <laughs> who eats things you shouldn't but yeah like it, uh, hopefully and yeah there's probably something to analyze there around different tones of love and loyalty but 
yeah, in terms of analysis, so yeah, I, I don't know what I thought coming into the tournament. I was like, yeah, the World Cup will happen and then it'll just be business as usual. And then the World Cup is happening and it's just like surpassed any expectation mm. I really had for it. And so it's it's going to But in that, isn't that such it. an interesting um, sort of frame of mind to come into it with? Because I think I was similar in the sense that I was coming into this tournament with almost a sense of like bracing myself for a negative impact in the sense that we have experienced how Australian soccer can shoot itself in the foot mm. so much that it's like we almost like preempted that coming into it. And so to protect the, ourselves. Yeah, to yeah. protect ourselves from the from the disappointment. But now that it's just like gone stratospheric and it's completely exceeded any kinds of expectations mm. we had, that's maybe why it feels so emotional and why it feels so difficult to sort of come to grips with conceptually for us because we're so used to a different level. We're so used to always being let down in some way but then become acclimatised to that. And so now that it's literally doing everything right and mm. doing everything better and like I do in a way that we've never seen a Women's World Cup happen before, in a way we've never seen a community rally around mm. women's football before, we have no point of comparison. So we're just sort of floating around being like, holy shit, like how do we think about this? How do we how do we how do we square this with what we're used to? How do we how do we reconcile this with the things that we thought we knew about Australian football in our whole lives? The only time I thought it was going to get bad was when Matilda's, oh, hello. It's <laughs> great. Lovely to be back. Um, Loves the chillies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the only time I thought it might get bad was after Nigeria lost when the vibes were oh, bad. Mm-hmm. Rancid, I believe, someone on the podcast said, come, say who. I think it was you. It was you. It was. But like the, but the way they pushed it, I think we were, Oh, maybe it's just my inner Labrador. I always thought it was going to be big, but I couldn't have imagined it would be this big. Yeah. I thought it would take off and people would get around it especially Matilda's games, mm. um, but the way the tournament's taken off is, yeah, it's just extraordinary. Yeah. Um, I think we should talk a little bit about the Tillies, though, because that game, as much as it is, like, woven into everything else, fucking insane game. Like, so many oh, twists yeah. and Holy turns. Crap. And, yeah, remember how there was, uh, like, a game as well? There was a game. <laughs> like, and I think... I'm, so, like, complaining. It's like, it's like, like 20 years we're ago. We're living in another world at the yeah, moment. Yeah, yeah, but, like, yeah. this was an extreme game of football if you're a neutral you'd be having the best time ever yeah. we were not having the best time ever no. we, were, we were really like on a roller coaster oh my God. but like just a couple of things for me um obviously Claire Hunt and the line of Kennedy bar a couple of little slip-ups from Kennedy early with sensational Claire shout Hunt. out oh Diani and Lesla Mare um they they complement each other so beautifully like mm. Alana is very imperious in the air I think yep. and Claire is just so reliable you just I can count on you. The penalty yeah. didn't work, but I reckon she'll take penalties in the future and bury him because she has that yeah, sort of totally. character and resilience about her. I'm intrigued. I want to talk about the forwards because I don't think anyone thought Sam Kerr would play like 65 minutes plus she, yeah. penalties. Yeah. And when she came on, I thought the game shifted, changed. France didn't. France's centre-backs didn't know what to do. I was mm. watching... Some of the replays I've only see all of a sudden, like even when Dear and I was like, mm, you fucking be watching Sam mm, Kerr because we're here. Mm. Her movement within the first minute of coming on, she was creating, she sat immediately in behind. And yep. her composure, like instead of just, you know, she doesn't just launch crosses that ball to find Hayley Razo. And to be fair, French keeper made a super save to, yeah. to deny her, but she should have had an assist in that first minute. Yeah. Razo, a very good left footed shot. Her, mm. her finishing is like yep. gone to Next another level. level. Yeah. But the way Sam Kerr came in and just changed the game, I think that like exceeded all yeah, my expectations. You feel it. I know Mary Fowler didn't score, but 
on another day without um, one exceptional block from a defender. On another a day, she scores three. She scores at least three men. Like, yeah. And for her to respond the way she did in the penalty shootout and score. It's that a, penalty, that, okay, that, we haven't even talked that, about the quality of the penalties yet, but like penalties. the Mary Fowler Mate, penalty like going, was just. That, I reckon that penalty, if the, if the net wasn't there and made of, I don't know, some sort of really fucking strong material, it <laughs> kept going through the advertising hoardings, taking out some people's legs. <laughs> <kept going. laughs> it was like off onto the street behind yeah, the stadium. But yeah, it, it was just unreal. Kept going and going and going. Yeah. It was so low and so perfectly placed. Yeah. And, uh, I like her, every time I watch her play for the Matildas. Like I said this a couple of episodes ago, she's, I think, one of the best, least discussed players that we've got. And this game was like, if if she is not signed by a major, major club after this someone's tournament, been wrapped up already. her and Claire Hunt, like yeah. they've been the two breakout stars of the Matildas for me because they are both just so mature. Even though they're so young and inexperienced, relatively, they're working tight spaces. Tight like spaces. Under the way that Kara is able to like control the strength on the ball is oh like, my god, and the burst of pace to get out of like a tangle of people as well. Like, all the time, she just found the right ways to get out She's, of pressure. The, the system has been made to work for her as well. Yeah, um, and her and Katrina Gorey complement each other to a T. I hate when I see some discussion on Twitter like Gorey's doing so much work and Kara is there, and you're yeah. like. Or vice versa. Who's like, that? Well, like, oh, you sometimes see the vice versa it. where it's all current career and cross all stuff. They, they work because they're like each other's yin and yang. They, yeah, they, yeah, they exactly. complement each other yeah. to perfection. And I reckon Kara would have played through a bit of pain after copying a bit of a stunt up to the back of her leg. And she played through it and, yeah. was, and was superb. Yeah. Was, there were some, yeah, pretty physical moments. But, yeah, they, they just match yeah. so well. The thing that does worry me is if one of them is sore or gets out, like who's going to step in? Like, I think Claire Wheeler could actually play one of those roles because we saw how she yep. could get forward at Sydney yep. FC. Yep. She's clearly got the running capacity. Um, Alex Tudiak is obviously another another option. I think Tamiki Olive is the go-to, so we know how mature she is. She can do any role. She can burst forward. Mm. Um, but the way those two, just uh, this is Cooney Cross and Gorey, play off each other is just extraordinary. Yep. Um, yeah, it was awesome. But the penalty shootout. 
Who were you, what were your favourite pens, everyone? <laughs> Mine was Mary Fowler. 100% was Mary Fowler. And it was because it was just, it just looked like liquid, the way that she mm. moved, the way she hit that ball and just like uncompromising, like I fucking know where it's going and it's going there and it went there. And like the keeper just didn't, they just like, like she looked like she was just in another, like a slower dimension of time mm. when Mary Fowler's ball was fizzing past her. It was just, it was so beautiful. So yeah, that's absolutely my pick. Angela, your favourite pen? Um, oh, I don't know. Is it too basic to relate? Courtney Vines? No. Because <laughs> we love Courtney Vines. We love yeah. Courtney Vines. Absolutely. Uh, but I also really, I don't know, um, I loved the first penalty because Maka did it and I think that set the tone. I think that was really, really important. Um, so I d- the middle, you know, <laughs> I, I could not watch Sam Kerr's penalty. Yeah, um, I know. Like I had to. Never in doubt. No, I, was, I was convinced she'd score because it wasn't the first Never or fifth. Never in yeah. fucking doubt. Oh, I was very much in doubt. <laughs> I, was, uh, I didn't doubt Sam. I didn't doubt Sam at all. Um, it wasn't my favourite pen, but I that she needed to get rid of. The ghosts, niece. the demons of 2019. Like, and yeah. she put it pretty simply in the mix zone. Like she was like, last time this happened at a World Cup, it was the only penalty that was going through my head, was I went away from my normal routine and I stuffed it up. So yeah. I just do what I normally do, pick a spot, bury it. Like it wasn't like the best penalty, but it did the job, right? Went in. It's all that's my, my favourite penalty. It's worth knowing we had three penalties where they had to pull it out of the fire, right? Sudden death penalties. You miss or it gets saved and we're done. Yep. Um <laughs> No, it was. I'm just like, I'm so glad I'm stupid because I didn't know. <laughs> You're like, oh, penalties, it's going on forever. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, that was not the vibe. It was just like, I felt like the opposite, like every single moment was, we were on the edge of not being in it anymore. But again, I, yeah, I was so not st- tracking things closely. <laughs> it was so stressful. Um, but all three of uh, Gory, Yellop and Carpenter were sudden death. Yeah, and I loved to meet the else because she took so long to do it. And I know, and I was like, like, oh my gosh, she hesitated, my, oh my god. It wasn't my favourite. I'll get to that and say, I'm really sucking up the limelight here. But <laughs> I love the way that she had this steely, you know, she's got those blue eyes and you're like, you look scary. Like when she came onto the field initially, she looked like she was going to murder someone. Like she was like, <laughs> ready to go, I will take on everyone. Hello, friend of the podcasty. She like looked like no one was going to get through it, and she had such a steely glare about her pen, and I, I thought that was fantastic. She buried it. The goalkeeper gets the wrong way, but the Ellie Carpenter pen. Yeah. When she stepped up, I Ice was cold. not confident because oh, I, I was thinking Ellie's had some shots this tournament. They've been going everywhere. She's not, you know, she's been defending really well. Her and Hayley Razor were superb. I thought like encountering that threat of Selma Basher in particular. Yeah. Um, really selfless game from both of them. But when she stepped to take the pen, I was like, oh, I'm not confident here. And she buries it off the inside of the post. I know, I know. Ice ice cold pen, like no stopping it. Um, And the way she celebrated, there was some ripper celebrations for all these as well, but the way she got around it was was fantastic. Like, it was like, yeah, yeah, fuck yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah I yeah. love that. And I thought Mackenzie Arnold. Was she the one as well who went like, yeah, yeah fucking yeah, come yeah. on. She was on the did these yeah, ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I love that they did it all the way through. Yeah. Um, the coaching staff were doing it pre-penalty shootout yeah, as well. Yeah, awesome, yeah. And Mackenzie Arnold's celebration. When she, I love when she did the second save to mm. Kenza Daly. Um, and she just did the... Yeah. Like, like it's so good. Like, the, like, like a statue, statue, yeah. Rapino like, esque Fuck, I'm good. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That was hammer on hammer violence, I realised, pre-pot, because they were... Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's true. You 
perhaps it's against me. So well. Anyway, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, that Ellie Carpenter pen was just just sensational. So um, yeah, everyone that stepped up for a pen was this great. Only Alana Kennedy didn't. We didn't. Yeah, she was the eleventh pen taker. But mm. um, yeah, I thought it was yeah fantastic the way they all took it on. Even you know they weren't all successful. It's pretty hard for everyone to be. I mean, when Steph Catley missed, I was like, oh no! But for Sam, I mean, I Steph Catley like, was on one leg. Yeah, it just happened to be the leg that she shoots with. You can tell, like, it didn't have that power, yeah. right? And you know what Steph Catley's going to do with her pens. Yeah. And when she hits them right, you can't stop them. That's the thing. If she doesn't hit them right, you can. Yeah. That's, that's pretty pretty simple, and she would probably admit as much. Which is what made Sam Kerr's penalty, I thought, even more impressive, that they needed a steadier. Yeah, true. They needed to steady. Because everyone, I think if we went into that shootout, everyone would have thought, Steph Catley will bury hers. Mm-hmm. Um, I was surprised that Caitlin Ford took the first one, but I probably shouldn't have been given the form she's been in, right? Yeah. Um, for her to bury it so comprehensively after all the running she's been doing. I know, incredible. I know. That's um, crazy to me. But, yeah, for Sam Kerr to step up and just coolly bury that penalty, I think it was a settler everyone needed. And Yeah, it was awesome. France had some awesome penalties as well. The yeah, Diani one was... So I know, so good. Renard's good. one was a lot. She's oh like, well, I'm just going to pass like, it to the when net. You, and what when are you going to Wendy taking good pens is never a surprise. No, I Paris, know. So I felt for her Paris because that was a good pen. Yeah, and it Mackenzie was. Mackenzie made, like, an like incredible really save yeah. to tip it onto the post. Yeah. Like, um, but, yeah, just an incredibly high-quality match. Like, yep. the penalties felt like they went on forever. Um, I didn't even have feeling, I think, by the time Courtney Vine took her pen. But I was like... I think Mackenzie Allen said to us, she's like, please, just let please it be over. In. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just done. let it be done. I'm done. Yeah. Like, We're all and feeling she just, thing. She just did it. Yeah. Just yeah. did the thing. Fine time. I'll, I'll make sure we talk about your favourite girl. When do they leave? Do they leave during a match like this? Half time? Half time. Oh, yeah. I wonder if it's like you know, community get, level. Yeah. Hurry up! <laughs> <laughs> And there's like one toilet that they all have to like yeah. Yeah, shut, like hold the back door, the door because the lock's broken, type of thing. Yeah. Hang on, do we have a local player chat here? Oh, so uh, still in the bathroom, Rev. Right? Just give us a second. Yeah, yeah. 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 Anyway, sorry. That, if, if there's any professional, semi-pro footballers who can ask that question for me, I would love that. They're pretty anyway. dehydrated as well, I reckon. But yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. What was your favourite pen? Ten curves? No, no. Oh, I don't have a favourite. Yeah, or your favourite? That's a lot of fence sitting you're doing right now. <laughs> no, I just don't have a favourite. I, I loved all of it. Mm-hmm. You know what it was? I kept thinking, much like Sam Kerr, I just kept thinking about Nice. And I thought about us, not you, Harrow, sorry, you were working, but us three standing there at the opposite end of the stadium yep. in the goddamn stud Denise yep. watching like just your dream float further and further away from you and watching the ball from Sam Kerr's pen just sky into the universe never to return. Yeah, like, I think it's still in orbit, yeah. Four years we later. We didn't get to a fifth penalty taker. No, we, we lost that one 4-1. Steph Cutley was the only one who converted it. And I just kept thinking about Nice and how I felt in Nice and how different this felt. Yeah. I was explaining to a friend of the pod, Sophie Lawson, who was sitting next to me, God bless her. What a not a good time to sit next to me. Um, and I was just like, I felt so calm throughout that entire penalty shootout because I was like, I lived through Nice. This can't hurt me. Like, <laughs> I genuinely lived through Nice. Also, I had a little like, if you've ever met a friend of the pod, Tom, he loves to tell you that like the Oppo were rubbish. That's just his. 
Like, stick, yeah. they, they don't want it, they're rubbish, they're whatever. I just had like a little Tom in my head every time they're one of them went up. Every time someone went up, I'm like, Selma Bash, you don't want it. You just don't want it. I'm sorry, you don't want it. And it was the only way I could get through that penalty shootout, just like ridiculous. The internal monologue, if my brain could have been recorded during that penalty shootout, I would have been institutionalised. <laughs> it was not... Good, but like I never felt ill. I just yeah. felt like it was going to happen, and I felt like Kerr was going to get her redemption story, and we would never have to talk about the Norway penalty ever again. And I felt like you know Steph Catley was going to score, but then she didn't, and it was like, but it's okay because someone else is going to. And I think we were doing power rankings of like who you felt most comfortable with. Oh, I was watching them. I was like Claire Hunt. She's going to bury it. I she has nerves oh and it was a very good save, but it wasn't her best effort. Awesome. As I said before, she'll bounce back. But yeah, yeah, I was like, I was like, I trust Mackenzie. I, well, I trust I, to make. I trusted to make the. I trusted to Natalie. Yeah, and that, but that, that, like it just it almost didn't matter in the end because we were always going to win. It's written in the stars, as Tony said afterwards. I, and I loved that. Like his answer to that was that you know the whole script writer like you know if we're going off the script it was like. Mackenzie Arnold, she's just had the biggest game in the biggest tournament of her career. Surely she has to score the winning penalty. Okay, it's not her, whatever. You know, it's fine. Claire Hunt, 11 caps, plays like she's done 111. Surely this is the moment. It's not to be. And it is kind of weird that it was Courtney Vine. The 10th penalty. The 10th, but like, it, yeah. I I haven't said anything of use. No, no, no. No, no, no. Exactly Um, what we wanted to hear. No, it's, um... Yeah, I was just—I was with Mackenzie Arnold all the way when she was cracking the shits about Grace Garrow's stutter step. Yes, yeah. she stopped. She did she stop. Stopped. She did and, stop. And goalkeepers are getting 100%. so much shit with the the crack down the rules. I can't move. I can't do anything. Yeah. But she a hundred percent stopped yeah. and buried that penalty. And yeah. I was like, that should have been called back. Yeah, great. Um, but it doesn't matter. Like it's, it doesn't matter at the end of the day. But I reckon that is. And almost like it's no, almost like no you way. think of a moment like that, and Mackenzie Arnold would be like, you know what? Fuck you. All right, mm. then, if you're not going to, like, allow this to go backwards because she, you know, whatever, then I'm going to come out and actually win this thing. And do you know what was the other fuck you moment was when we should have had a goal kick and they gave France a corner and then they <gasps> scored. And they scored from it. Oh, my God. And remember when, when that happened? Oh, my God. I remember when you scored. And then I watched back the replay and I was like, oh, it fell from Delana Kennedy. I know. She and faced you it replay, into the net. Full credit to the the ref in that moment for spotting and VAR would have spotted it if not because it's so obvious like Wendy's like yoink came yeah, yeah, forward yeah, yeah, down yeah, you yeah, come yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. so unnecessary you're 100 feet tall although <laughs> Mackenzie Arnold does not give away that much height to Wendy Renard that's the only person I've maybe ever seen who doesn't look like intimidatingly short yeah, yeah so okay. good on you Macca yeah fuck yeah um, but yeah no I don't envy them because they must all be gassed both teams yeah. were struggling legs wise at the yeah, end of it yeah, yeah. Um, and like Vine probably needed to come on earlier, I thought. Like, it's all worked out for the better. It, sorry, it's all worked out well in the end. Could it have been done quicker had Vine come on or had another sub been made close to when Sam came on? To, mm. But then at the end of the day, they were running out of legs. They were running out of legs. And I'll be interested to see how it was up. I think Cooney Cross had some ice on that. That's what where she got the tackle. She, yeah. she ran a mile. Um, but Ellie Carpenter and Hayley Razzo were dancing around the sidelines afterwards. So. <laughs> They're fine. They're fine. Adrenaline so is a very powerful thing. <laughs> it's very clear. Tony said as much. Clyde said as much. It's all going to be rest and recovery. They're not going to hit the track a whole lot. It'll nah. be 
I imagine well, there'll be a level it. of tactical stuff. Yeah. They'll be, you know, resting. They'll be scratching. They'll be getting treatment. They'll be doing all those things. Um, England have only played 90 minutes in this one, but to be fair, they went to 120 plus pens in their game before. Mm. So it's like It'll our immediate. Yeah. Well, our immediate situation is more painful, but like at the end of the day, oh, we're hardened. And also, fit. you know what they don't have? Aussie DNA. <laughs> <laughs> We would expect to win. They don't want it. They don't want it as much as we do. And do you know what we got? We got Sam Kerr and Leon Mary Earps. And I've seen this film before. And they didn't like the ending. That's right. Jordan Howard? Lauren James. That's actually, yeah, you're right. Who is probably their only serious, like, game winner. Yeah. I am very much looking forward to curving Murphs and just like Mary <laughs> Mary just being probably, you know, betting Gosford being like, why couldn't that calf just keep her out a little bit longer as a trick? And also, it's going to be intriguing, right? Because, sorry to jump to the next game straight away, but I feel like it was we're yeah, 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 yeah. We won 2 0, obviously, in April, but the there's changes to both teams. Obviously, Leah Williamson since done a race the other, they've moved to a back three. Mm. We didn't have Caitlin Ford or Steph Catley. That's that right. Yeah. Um, yep. How do you remember this stuff? It's Just incredible. imagine the things that could be in my brain otherwise. <laughs> um, thankfully, I get paid to know some of this. But it's it's very helpful. Yeah, they weren't in the team that day. Yeah. And when gloating is really important to me, you see. <laughs> Never would have guessed um, that. Speaking of gloating, I am so, so happy that Mackenzie Arnold is the biggest I was wrong of my entire life. Yeah, right? Like, yeah, same. Just, oh. Yeah. Are you good thing. The the biggest redemption arc of any player ever. Totally. I think mm. incredible. I'm glad when there was a question over who is the, at least the third goalkeeper. I said it's got to be Mackenzie Arnold on a pod episode. You can find mm-hmm. somewhere way back when in the dusty stuff. And also, to be honest, like uh, and like obviously we're biased when we say this, but she is probably in contention for goalkeeper of the tournament outside of Musevich from Sweden. Again, and I said I this would to, say I, that she's actually up there. I said this to someone I don't remember. Mac has been exceptional in every game. Wusevich had the cracker the against game. the US mm. and has been fine. You know, has been a Mac good... has had one one error against Nigeria. Yeah. I, and I and just the most clean sheets. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, I moved yeah, right. the whole fucking cap. I also ever and now called her a Goliath. Yeah. I think that's a Which great. Is just that in itself gives you extra points. That's a great compliment. But just before we move on. Um, from a genuine Bond villain, uh, who <laughs> said in his press conference, uh, "We will see you at the Olympics next year and get revenge." Oh yeah, baby! <laughs> like, yes, I want that narrative. Let's qualify for the Olympics. Hell yeah! And go toe to toe. I love that he was already thinking revenge. Yeah, but... it's very French of him. Yeah, <laughs> very very French. Um, but yeah, no, Mac has got to be in contention. I think Steph Catley has to be in contention, especially Lots after of Japan. <laughs> Um, did you not see that online clearance? Um, I would, I would have, I think, Catley in the mix. I don't have Catley forward in the mix. Yeah. Totally, totally. Midfield's totally. difficult because you've got players like Bombardi and you know that they've you know been sensational. Uh, I would have Catley. I would have Ford, and the context of them doing it without Sam Kerr yeah, and exactly. Mackenzie Arnold. They're yeah. probably my three. Claire Hunt. Claire Hunt. Yeah, yeah. 100%. I would have Claire Hunt. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. In terms of like the the World Cup eleven, I think Claire Hunt is absolutely good. Yeah. 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 She just like the Matilda. just picked up on what we're putting down. She's like, all of these would be in my Matilda starting lineup against England. Yes. I'm <laughs> <laughs> like, just naming players. Be like, <laughs> we've got full dudes rock. It's at that time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is 
what ASPM wanted all along. It, it took us three years to grow full dudes wrong. Um, can I stretch this out for three hours? The one thing I wanted to talk about that we've kind of alluded to, but just like your favourite reaction to this win and mm-hmm. like the examples that I will use to help you all um, is the one I told you about pre-pod, which was uh, one of my very best friends just doesn't, is not a sports person. It's not for her. We talk about other things. Um, and she messaged me after the game, a series of exclamation marks and the fact that she and her mum were watching that and her mum, who also not a sports person, was just screaming. And obviously this is one of my very best friends, so I've known her mum for like a decade. And I just pictured her in her lounge room, in her little dressing gown, yelling at the Matildas for probably the <laughs> yelling at sport for probably the first time ever in her life. And it just made me so happy. And I said it to you guys, we've broken through to Connie. Like <laughs> we, we hit Connie. Like we're the Connosphere. Yeah, <laughs> like we've made it, baby. We've made it to Connie. And it's just it made me so happy. And the other thing I said it to you, Sam, um, Whenever, when everyone arrived at my apartment here in lovely Sydney, um, that one of my favourite things was watching scenes from Fed Square because... The flares! The flares. And I literally <laughs> said... Literally the flares, yeah. Went full dudes rock. I <laughs> said to Sam, the flares were what made me... Cry. I cried on the train watching the vision from Fed Square because if you had no other context, you could not tell what football mm. match they were watching. And I had a fear heading into this World Cup that we would maybe get to, like, a really great place, really enjoy it, capture the nation, but still never reach the heights of what the ruse have been able to elicit out Mm. of people. And for some reason, the flares just ticked that box. I was like, we've made it now. People care about the Matildas in the ways they care about the ruse. And I think it goes back to your point, Angela, about, like, the history or what Kate Gill was saying about the history and, like, um, you know, narrative building, myth building, yeah. like all of that kind of crap. We have that now because if you watch that kind of crap, <laughs> yeah, just like, just that crap of history, yeah. Four hours of sleep. Um, <laughs> history, I can't under general direction. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? Just like, and looking at that Fed Square vision, it was like you couldn't tell if that was a Ruse game or a Tilly's game. And that was incredible. And I was just so happy that we had gotten to the point where, like, it didn't feel anymore like the Matildas needed to reach the level of the ruse or like we were always going to be that little bit behind the Socceroos and the way that the nation gets behind the Socceroos because of the history of everything. Like we're there and it's awesome and I want to live in the moment forever. Um, I realised there was a question at the start of this, so I apologise. Yes, so like using my two very long-winded examples... And it can be as niche as, like, someone texting you or, like, as big as fucking Fed Square. But, like, what were the moments for you? I have two. One was Chloe Legazzo crying on the broadcast. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. She was all of us. Yeah. yeah. She was all of um, us. Chloe's a top person who I think is desperately unlucky not to be in this squad. The timing of her injury run, not mm-hmm. making it. Um, top person. When you, like, see a game going to 120 minutes, that's who you want because <laughs> she mm. runs and runs and runs and runs and runs and she would take a pen and she would bury it. She did it at the 2016 Olympics. I would back her in and, you know, she's the OG, I was right. Um, yeah, that's but right. But for her, um, I'm sure there's a level of her own personal emotions and Emily Gilnick would have been in a similar position mm. where you feel like you should be there, you want to be there, um, but 
the character of Annalise Kellner as well. But Lagarde really, um, I thought, encapsulated it with her, like, just happiness for her teammates, her yeah. taking in the enormity of the moment. You're seeing it from a different perspective. You're seeing everyone care about this team and be invested in this team. And this team, she's been there for all the heartbreaks. She's been there for the mm. Olympics. She was there in 2019. Um, she didn't get to take a penalty because it was already done before hers. Um, she scored a pen in that heartbreaking shootout in 2016 at Rio. She's she's been through the highs and lows, and it would be so difficult to watch it from the sidelines. Mm. But the amount of care she had, and there's this great photo that Matilda's post of her hugging Ellie Carpenter. They they made their yeah. Olympic debut together. They're very tight. There it is. And it's, so it's so yeah, beautiful. It's so beautiful. And to her credit, it didn't take away from her professionalism at all. She was just a, a true pro, but got the moment. Um, handled it with a plumbing. I think it made everyone a bit emotional seeing that. Can I count this with a dumb one? Yeah, um, of course. We talk about Always. we talked about like things like um, footy teams and people at the MCG. So <laughs> shout out to my colleague in front of the pod, Shane Hope, for passing this little tidbit on. Um, I will actually get the quote here. So there was a obviously the Carlton Melbourne match was the one at the MCG that um, there was the whole thing about you know showing on the big screens. The players were watching before they got into the, the sort of formal parts of their game. Um, and Blake Akers is a winger from Carlton. They won last night. And he got asked, obviously, about the, the Matildas being on. And he's saying about the crowd at the MCG. They went crazy at quarter time. And I was just looking up at the big screen and I saw a cheese advert on there. And I was like, <laughs> what's going on here? They're celebrating cheese. <laughs> And then it clicked for him that it was obviously the penalty shootout because oh it finished at quarter time. So I just love the pure innocence of it. What's this crowd doing? Where are they? Why are they all about cheese? Um, and then realising okay, that it was all for the Tillies. It was all for the Tillies. So, yeah, no, nah, uh, I loved it. So from the emotion from the people who know what it means to the just pure vibes of everyone that's along for the ride yeah. in whatever capacity, it's... It's just all come together in the most magical way and, yeah, it's just what I think I said to everyone, like, don't listen, my nieces were born in the last three years. I was like, best day of my life. <laughs> Your face when you came down to the mix zone and I saw you and you literally said this is the best day of my life, I will simply never forget because your face was just, like, light. Like, it was just yeah. pure joy. It was a beam of joy, like, zooming out of your face and yeah. it fucking ruled and I will simply never forget. Yeah, I tweeted no. to say maybe the best day of my life. So if they try to get me in written word, they can never. <laughs> your nieces. Copy and Ruby. Can't pin me down. Plausible deniability. <laughs> mine were very similar to yours, Harry. I, I had two very particular things that made me so emotional that I can't even watch the videos anymore without bursting into tears. One was footage of Matilda's alumni, like the old, the OG Matilda's alumni from the 70s, from the 80s, mm. all packed out in either in the stadium, in uh, in pubs, in the fan zones, wherever they were, all of them gathering together in groups, some of them their old teammates who they probably haven't seen for a while, and celebrating this moment because it is theirs. Mm. The, this Matilda's team is here because of them. And so for them to be witnessing this, to be seeing and experiencing the legacy that they have left that was what really killed me um and the second one for some reason it was footage of one particular uh person online who was standing on the top floor of the locker room pub across from stadium australia he was on the top he or she they were on the top floor 
and they were filming down across this incredible sea of people who had flocked out to all the big screens that they'd um, dotted around Cathy Freeman mm. Park, very aptly named, uh, and, and watching this wave of limbs fly off into the night when that penalty went in. And we're, like I've, I, I've never seen that for women's football before. And for some reason, it's just the perspective of it. It's just like being at that kind of like um, eagle eye kind of distance and just seeing how far this crowd extended mm. across multiple screens. Like, like you couldn't see grass. You couldn't see anything. It was just people there for this team. And to, to and the, like the movement of them and the noise of them erupting in that moment all together, people losing their minds together. That was like, yeah, I can't, I, I'm, I almost envy them. Like I'm so glad that I was in the stadium when it happened, but I almost envy them for being there together to experience that. I felt that. that as well. Like anywhere, Collective. anywhere yeah, exactly. I see people gathering to watch the game, I'm like, God, I wish I was there. And then it's like, you dumb bitch, you were in the stadium. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Your head in. But, like, but the noise where it's like, we're talking about it um, in our messages, like the, when you watch all the videos, because I've watched, like you sound like, Video, 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 and there's the like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And it's, it's the, the, it's the, it's the pause the right time. before yeah. it happens, it and then the eruption. The breath, oh my then, god, yeah. yes. And I saw a, a great video. I think it might have been by Peacock where it was like every pen. So you had the like the French ones, like the Psalms, because you know, say yeah, Matilda misses one. Like, just like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was great. You just like that was how I felt like internally, and I was yeah. doing that, and yeah. like, yeah. Like I was, as I was saying, I was next to Emma Kemp, and we were both there. In we were working next to each other in in Nice when lost when mm. you know when the Matildas lost, and just to ride that emotion was it's just so good. And yeah. like the, the crowd in the stadium were doing it too, so mm. it was like it just felt it was like the shared feeling around the whole country, and even in the air, even so, in the air, even in the air. Angela, your favorite moments? Uh, I'd, I'd, I don't know. I have a few. I don't. Can I talk about my friend Ollie? Yeah. I don't know. Ollie isn't, it's not necessarily just about last night, but it's been really beautiful. So my desk mate at uni, Ollie, uh, they have ADHD, just like me. Um, and <laughs> uh, they've been hype, like, no one has hyper fixated as much on a sports tournament as Ollie has on this. <laughs> on this world cup like we've talked about sport they've had sport in their life previously they were um mariners member back in the day kind of thing but one of those people's like fallen a little bit off um the the football train is it a train i don't know wagon wagon broken down by i don't know not anymore baby it's a chariot now um anyway and uh ollie has like had a very like father passed away quite suddenly a couple of months ago which is terrible but just the funniest I don't I don't know if people will find this funny but I find it funny they find it funny they were just like hustling for a ticket to the semi-final they have one now we love that but they like dm slid the FIFA Women's World Cup like Twitter being like hey just like looking for a ticket for the semi-final <laughs> my father passed away from a heart attack quite suddenly so it just like mean the world for me and they know how much of a like <coughs> They know the humour of it, but I'm just like, that is incredible stuff. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you've got to hustle. You've yeah. got to, because this it. is the thing. People are scrambling yeah. out here for tickets. And my advice, truly, is just, like, book everything, flexible if you need to, whatever, do it sooner rather than later, and go 
if you're traveling interstate just go and a ticket will appear yeah it, it like if you are looking for one and you tell people that you're looking for a ticket because also that was a very sweet thing that happened yesterday was um we stayed at brisbane one ha mm. uh me al hannah jess and um lots of friends of the pod lots of friends of the pod said um at yeah at Brisbane YHA and the staff member who checked Al and Hannah and Jesse in was like, oh, are you going to, uh, you know, the stadium later? And, yeah, yeah, we're going to the game. And she'd been refreshing her page all day trying to get a ticket for the game. And then by some, just like the ticket shuffle that kind of happens, people forget that they have tickets. Some people had their tickets bought by Tom, so it's truly a mystery up until the last minute. <laughs> um, Oh, just like he, he's like the system works and I'm like the system works but it also gives me anxiety Tom like, alright alright so we had a spare ticket and so like Al, it was just a short walk we went back to the hostel and she finished her shift and had gone to the fan zone to watch the game but this worker on like called her and was like there's a ticket for you if you want it and we kind of like ended up making it all work so how good yeah it's just yeah uh, that was nice to have someone like and she's I, I think She's not from Australia um, and I don't think had a horse in the race, but just wanted to be a part mm. of it. And that mm. was just like a really beautiful thing. Um, yeah. Can I make an important note? If you are not able to use your ticket, don't give it to a pom. <laughs> yeah. No, like seriously. That's an order. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, just yeah, give, yeah, it, give it to someone who's supporting Australia. Yeah. Like yeah. there's being nice and then there's letting the whole team do Being unpatriotic. Like... There are plenty of Aussies that will want that ticket too. Totally. Don't give, if you're Australian, don't give your ticket to someone that is going to be cheering against you. <laughs> Even if those English fans say they want it, they don't actually want it. They don't it. want it. They don't it. want it. They don't want it. Want it. Um, we need to go get dinner. So sorry to England, Colombia. We will face England in the semi-final. I'm very sad that we don't get to see Colombia anymore because they've absolutely ruled. They're the best. You're um, right. Fans, you come back tomorrow. Their fans, their jerseys, the players obsessed with them i had previously said that the colombian federation supported them i would like to formally retract that yeah. because that was wrong so colombian federation please support your players um but yeah we're gonna go get dinner this has been really fun and really special and we hope it has lived up to your expectations Definitely. Um, been turned on. yeah i have been thinking about that we'll it's recording out. oh my god there's something recording somewhere that's fine anyway we'll fine it's fine Jesus. um <laughs> We will again be taking a little break because there are rest days, but we will be back for the semi-finals. We're very, very excited. Once again, we've got our live pod the day after the final, so make sure you register for that to come hang out with us on the 21st at Yulee's. It's all on our social media. But thanks for tuning in. We're on ESPN. You know where to find the podcast. You know where to talk to us at the Far Post Pod. Um, up the chillies. Sayers. Do it quickly. We've got to do it quickly. Okay, my other one is um friend of the pod Jocelyn, her sister Britt, who's never followed sport ever, is like engaging with the Matildas and is converted, and I think that's beautiful. But also like Jocelyn and Freya had a pod back in the day, Follow Sports Like a Girl, and that was like the first time I ever went on a podcast about sport and I was like sitting in my kitchen recording a voice note about the Algarve Cup. So it's just like wow. very beautiful full circle thing. So that's also my other favourite like one. And I'm like amazed that it's taken Brit this long, but welcome. We love you. This is so good. Um, Remember the Algarve Cup? Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Portugal's a place apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go get some food. We are the Lulu. Get dinner. See you. Bye.
Thank <laughs> you.